5, 5, 4, 4, 3, 3, 2, 1, 1. We have ignition. Strap in. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, joined with the famous co-host, Jonathan Miklos. Jonathan, test check real quick. Sound check real quick. How do I sound? Everything going well? Everything's going well, bud. Good, good, good. It seems like it's been forever. How long has it been? Two weeks since we've been on? Uh, Three? At least. I mean, let's see. Last time we talked, I don't even remember what it was about. Um. <laughs> we talked about college football. We talked about the NBA Finals. I mean, that showed you something about how long the NBA Finals are. I think we were previewing that, maybe. And it was like... We were. Well, I think it was the night of game ago. one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it seems like a long time ago, but we're back. Man, I, I was walking through the store yesterday, and remember a couple of weeks ago I picked up the Athlon magazine. Mm-hmm. This weekend I saw Lindy's, and, man, every time <laughs> I see these magazines, it pumps me up, man, because... You know, I don't I don't take for word everything they say, of course, but it's good to have three, four, five different, you know, services tell you about a team. You know, if if one person says they're going to be good and four says they're going to suck, well, they're probably not going to be that great or average. But I just like to hear everybody's opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you mention that because uh, last week I bought the Athlon. Um, I buy Athlon every year. They, they're somebody that um, I think out of the magazine ones, I think they're one of the better ones. Um, and then I bought Lindy's yesterday just because I always like to kind of check in. And whenever there's a Florida State kit on the cover, I tend to get suckered into buying it. But really it's more of the feature pieces at the beginning that I'll read. And then they all have little differences, of course, like you mentioned, with how they stack each team. Uh, and I'm always interested to try to kind of compare and contrast them, especially with, you know, let's say middle, you know, Iowa, who, of course, you and I, we never, we don't really know that much about. But when you get these magazines and you start digging into them, you can kind of see where some of the strengths and weaknesses are depending on how these magazines treat them. Yeah, if you bet on football games, you know, it's early in the season. You look up, you look at Iowa's offensive line's not very good or something, or they're undersized and they're playing against a big athletic defensive line. Then you could have some some mismatches, and you know, you can maybe find some value. But Phil Steele's magazine, I, I think it's, um, I don't think it's that good. We may differ on that, but I looked in Phil Steele like year over year, and it's got the same kind of information, the exact same information from the prior year, Jonathan. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. But if I'm reading the 2017 magazine preview, I don't give a shit what happened in 2015, really, or 2016, except who they lost or who's coming back. But I don't know if, if you get that or not, but Phil still to me, just seems like repetitive year in and year out. That's why it's so thick. It's funny because I've, I've heard about that before. Um, last year was my first year of Phil Steele, and I enjoyed it. 
uh, just because I felt like he gave me some nuggets mm-hmm. that I wouldn't have gotten elsewhere. And what I appreciate about Phil Steele is that um, he tends to have a team every year that he, you know, it's a sleeper team, like 2013 Florida State. Last year was Washington. Uh, I can't remember 14 or 15, but every year he has a sleeper team uh, where he kind of figures out uh, ahead of time who, um, who, 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 could be good, you know, which of the power teams is going to kind of surprise you and make a title run. And that's something that I, I appreciate and look forward to. Yeah, and I have my couple of teams, and we'll talk about them closer to when when the seasons get here. But, you know, I mean, I was just looking over some college football. We'll talk about the difference in the top ten with Lindy tonight. We'll go through Lindy's top ten and see what we think, just how we did Athline. Uh, their top four athletes was Alabama, Ohio State, Florida State, Washington, and I'm sure if we go when we go to Lindy, it's going to be same. It's going to be the close. Uh, but Jonathan, big news in college football, and I don't know how this impacts your top ten or or if it affects the playoff team. But Pop Stoops just abruptly just steps down. Just it was so surprising that Bob Stoops retired. He came out of nowhere, and uh, a lot of people are are worried. I would be if I was an Oklahoma fan, and we lost a coach that's been there what 18 years, maybe 16 years, and if you lose somebody like that, I think that has it concerning. And I think Joe Mixon's name will be is one of the reasons he's gone right now. What do you think about those Stoops? Um, I mean Stoops was definitely a great coach. He was the one. Uh, 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 a bowl game in all four of the major stadiums. He was one of five coaches, uh, current coaches with the national championship, which he won in his second year. I think some, um, anyways. Uh, you know, but he was consistent. I mean, you had ten conference titles and uh, seventeen seasons. Definitely uh, one of the better coaches Oklahoma uh, has had since uh, since Switzer. Uh, to see him step down was a shame. I kind of understood it. I know his dad passed away at the age of 54, uh, and when he had a heart attack on the sideline coach in a high school game, uh, I heard today, actually, that apparently Stoops had always targeted uh, 55 as a retirement age from coaching. Um, and then I also heard that he was he would not have retired if he didn't think Lincoln Riley uh, could handle uh, the, the pressure and, ha- and handle the responsibilities of it. Uh, so, you know, and I know Lincoln Riley's a coach that's been young. He's up and coming, and a lot of people keep an eye on him. I mean, there have been a couple jobs, you know, the mid-majors that have tried gunning for him, and he turned them down. He was about to, I think it was, they gave him a three-year extension for an assistant coach, which Oklahoma doesn't do uh, for assistant. Uh, so, you know, if you're Oklahoma, you got to feel like you're in a good place because the kid who was handed the keys to the car has been groomed to be, to, to be given these keys. Yeah. And it's just—it was a shock. I was caught off guard. I don't know about you. Yeah, don't you think Oklahoma could do better than some unproven assistant coach, especially with the talent that they have on that team? I mean, they have great recruiting classes, good talent. But Tom Herman beating Bob Stoops last year at Houston, uh, beat him by ten points, I believe, and uh, now he's at Texas. How much of that had an impact in Bob Stoops stepping down? Because I don't think it was 100% Bob Stoops. I think he was encouraged to. And maybe with the younger guy, I mean, he was threatening to leave. But also, I think the way he handled the Joe Mixon and some of these other players, 
I think he was forced out in a way. I think the boosters wanted him gone. And you got to think, he's underachieved. With the talent he's had at Oklahoma and the conference he plays in, the fact that he has one national championship in all that time is not very good. I mean, yeah, obviously the only the one national title stings. I mean, let's you know, 2003 when they <laughs> lost to Nick Saban and LSU, 2004 they ran into the USC juggernaut. I mean, look, I know who's beaten USC. Let me rephrase that just because I know what team you root for. It did not seem like anybody could have beaten USC that year. That's not to say there wasn't an undefeated SEC school that won their shot. Uh, but, they, you know, they lost to Urban Meyer well, in Florida. Um, you know, I was in the playoff the before to beat them, and they did. Okay, it's fair. I, 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 I respect that. So, uh, you know, I mean, and Bob Stoops, you know, he won a Fiesta Bowl, he won an Orange Bowl, he won a Rose Bowl, he won a Sugar Bowl, and, man, won a national championship. You know, you lost to Nick Saban, you lost to Urban Meyer. Um, both, you know, you lost to Davo Sweeney and Clemson there. They made their run. You know, I think he had a very good coaching career. I, I think that, yeah, do I feel they underachieved a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it does feel that way. But uh, the other thing is he was only one of five coaches with a ring. Five. One of them won his last year. The other one won his in 2013. He lost to the other one. And then he lost to the other one. So, you know, it's like, you know, Stoops ran, uh, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, you look at his recent losses and his championship game losses. He lost to Dabo Sweeney, who's got a ring. He lost to Nick Saban, who's got a ring. He lost to Earl Meyer, who's got a ring. You know, and it, it's very tough for me to say that it was a failure. It was uh, uh, underwhelming. I think that it was a good run. It's kind of like with Florida State from 87 to 2000. They finished in the top five every year. Only had two national championship wins. Lost three title games. Can't tell you how many more they missed out on because there wasn't a playoff. Um, and you're like, well, was that, did that, you know, was that a failure? And you're like, it's disappointing, but it's still a great success. And I think that's how Oklahoma fans are going to look at it. And it's disappointing you didn't win more, but overall the big picture, which could you have asked for anything better when Bob Steve stepped in and Oklahoma looked like it was a dead program? And that's that's the thing you got to remember is how bad they were under John Blake. Yeah, they were terrible. But I mean, this time of the retirement, um, I just think that you know it's too late to go find a a top-notch proven coach right now, Jonathan. I don't think you can find one. All of a sudden, it's going to come in June to coach Oklahoma. So I think they're going to give Riley a shot. They're going to see what he can do with the with the the poor share and see if he doesn't crash it. But if, if they're a seven and five, eight and four team this year, you can bet that they're going out and getting a big name. They're going to try to, and how attractive is the Oklahoma job? Um, well, I, I, I think they're going to get Riley a couple. I think he's going to get two years unless this year is an unmitigated disaster. But uh, let's say things happen. Is Oklahoma job attractive? Yeah, I mean, it's a blue blood program. You see the success they've had recruiting. You see the success they've had on the field. You see how in conference, look, let's be honest, top to bottom, not the strongest conference out there, right? So you know you're always going to be, let's say, roughly in the top four with Oklahoma State, with uh, Texas, with TCU. That's kind of it. Maybe Kansas State. We'll see how that situation shapes out. Um, 
you're always going to be in the top four. You're out of blue blood. Recruiting has been rather easy. The boosters throw money hand over fist. you got a great stadium. You know, so I, I think it's a very attractive job. I think you can get uh, a big-name coach in there if you really want to. Obviously not right now. And you're right, sir, the, the timing of the retirement does seem funky. But at the same point in time, if he retires right before signing day, um, then if you retire right before signing day, then all these recruits are going to, you know, freak out and go help their shelter. If he retires right after signing day, then he's evil for lying to recruits. If he retires at the beginning of the year, it can hurt recruiting. So to retire between spring and summer almost makes sense uh, to, for, for him and for the program, especially since they had somebody they wanted to bring in. Now, if you told me Lincoln Riley's fired after next year, who's the next coach? I don't know. But I'll tell you this much. If you're not, let's say, a top 25, consistently a top 25 program, Oklahoma can come in and take your coach. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Yeah, and I look at Oklahoma's schedule. I wonder if Stoops had it in his mind maybe that, if he did underachieve again this year. And let's let's be honest, yeah, they finished strong last year, but they lost two games early in the season, and it's really knocked them out of the playoff. It's easier to win when nobody's talking about you than, you know, when, when the pressure's on. So when the pressure was on Oklahoma, they folded. Did they get better during the year? Yes, they did. But I think the pressure was so much off of them. But anytime the pressure gets on Stoops in Oklahoma, they fold. I think just realize that schedule this year is tough. And uh, Herman's new, and I think he knew if he, he was going to get fired anyway with his schedule and how he handles the Joe Mixon thing. So I think he stepped out early to keep from getting embarrassed and getting fired. That's what I think. I mean, that's interesting, but I I don't feel like Oklahoma would have fired Stoops just because of what they had before him. And I, you know, and I get it. You get scale on a program, right? It's 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 the Les Miles syndrome. You know, I mean, Les Miles had a ring attached to him just like uh, Bob. Les got fired because, well, everybody in the SEC is trying to catch up to Nick Saban. But, you know, Bob ran the Big 12. And that's, that's what we got to remember. I mean, that's his conference. He's run that show. Um, you know, I, I think we have to tamper our expectations for Oklahoma a little bit this year, but not a lot because the offensive coordinator is stepping right in. He was already calling the play, so the offense should have a seamless transition. But you are exactly right. Those two losses to Houston and Ohio State last year were damning. A, it knocked them out the playoff. I don't care what kind of late push buzz they got at the in November. There was no way they are making the playoff the minute they got donkey stomped by Ohio State at home. Like, that was it. If you lost to Houston, and let's be honest, okay, if you knew anything about football, you were taking Houston in that game. It was in Houston. B, it was the first week of the year. And C, Houston was coming out swinging haymakers. And Oklahoma was like, no, there's no way. They knocked off Florida State because of this and that and this and that. There's no way they're actually that good. Surprise, guys, they are. Right, but when you let Ohio State come into your building and, and, and just rub their junk all up and down your face, Vince Carter dunked over you like he was a seven-foot freshman. Okay, let's be honest. That's when it was over, right then and there. Yeah, and uh, I mean, if if I'm Stoops, Jonathan, I'm not leaving Baker Mayfield as a senior behind. I'm getting one more shot at at winning a ring, and then I'm going to retire once I I win that another ring. Because you don't find quarterbacks, and I'm not hyping up Baker Mayfield. I'm not saying he's the best quarterback in college, but he's a dang good quarterback, and in that conference, he can put up a ton of yards. 
But Bob Stoops' biggest problem is on defense. The guy, I mean, they, he was supposed to be a defensive guy coming out of Florida State. His defenses have sucked just about every year. But, um, yeah, losing to Houston, like you said, I mean, okay, you lost the first game of the season on the road. But, again, you're hosting Ohio State, third game of the season at home, and you get beat by 21. Okay, you beat TCU 52-46. to 46. You beat Texas 45-40. to 40. Yeah, you beat Texas Tech 66-59. I mean, you beat Iowa State 34-24. I mean, you beat Auburn 35-19. It was actually worse than that. It, sounds, it was worse than it sounded. But think about all those points, Jonathan, that they gave up. And ten and two, that's just not, eleven and two total is not good enough, especially when you go undefeated in your conference and you still don't make the playoff because you choke early in the season. You look at that schedule this year: UTEP, Ohio State, Tulane, and then you've got at Baylor the twenty third of September. So I look at two and two right there in in September, and they're out of the playoffs again. Yeah, I mean, if they were looking at their schedule. If they lose to any team not named Ohio State or Oklahoma State, write them off. Right? I mean, I know the year before, you know, when they made the playoff, they lost to Texas, and you're like, you can't put them in. There's no way. Come on. That's stupid. Right? I, I, I remember all that. Uh, but seriously, you, you know, they're not going to lose to UTEP or Tulane. It, it'll be fun, but no. I doubt they lose to Baylor. I, Baylor's going through a whole new culture change. This will be the uglier for Baylor. Uh, I mean, they're going to beat Iowa State. Look, I, they're going to beat Texas. Let's be real for a minute. Uh, I mean, Kansas State's a trap game. That's about it. God, their schedule's so kind of nice this year. I mean, your two toughest games, yeah, your three toughest games are on the road, but. I mean, their schedule set up kind of pretty this year. So if you lose to, I mean, if you lose to Ohio State and Oklahoma State, obviously you're out. But if you lose to only Oklahoma State or only Ohio State, you still have a shot. But if you lose to Ohio State and Baylor, then write it off. If you lose to Ohio State and Kansas State, write it off. Like, let, let's just be yeah. honest. But well, the well, there is a championship game this year. There, there is, is a championship game this year, which could make it a little stronger, like into the eyes of the voters and the committee, because at the end of the season, just say they lose to Ohio State and they you know, and they're they're playing, you know, probably Texas or someone like that, West Virginia, I don't know, in the championship game, it's gonna be a benefit, but I think it's gonna hurt the Big Twelve because I don't know. I just I could see that game and the way the Big Twelve plays late in the year, it could be an upset coming for whoever's Whoever's not going to make the playoffs is going to get in that game and knock Oklahoma, Texas, somebody like that out. But um, Baker Mayfield is the right. truth, I think. But that defense, Jonathan, that's why this schedule scares me. It looks too easy. But if you look at the offenses, you look at the offenses on that schedule, it's going to be tough. But, again, the Big 12, none of those other teams can play defense either, can they? They're just terrible. Yeah, I mean, the only team that played, I think, a lick at defense last year was West Virginia, and even their defense kind of melted down in November. Uh, you know, I mean, because they're at the situation Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, I'm not with that, with the Big 12, uh, is that there's no division. So whoever is number one and number two in the conference at the end of the year plays in the title game, right, which sets up the situation of, let's say, 12-0 Oklahoma State is playing 10-2 Oklahoma. And Oklahoma beats Oklahoma State. What do you do? 
obviously Oklahoma is a conference champion, but if you're the playoff committee, do you just go, do you stop, write them off and we're done? Like, what do you do? You can't put Oklahoma State in at that point, right? Well, wait a minute, yeah, you can, Ohio State. But, uh, you know, so it's, it's an interesting situation because if you remember back in the 90s when Nebraska lose to Texas in 96, which is what set up the Florida Florida State National Championship game, Thank you, Nebraska. Thank you, Texas. You guys suck. Uh, if you remember, in 1998, Kansas State lost to A&M, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 2003, Oklahoma lost to Kansas State and Darren Sproles. Like, the Big 12, uh, what, Missouri, in 2007, lost to Oklahoma. And, and the Big 12 championship game has been known to kill the playoff contender and has been uh, the championship contender. It, done, it did it time and time again. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting now that you're going to have number one and number two go at it, and especially since they moved Bethlehem up from the end of, from Thanksgiving weekend to the first weekend of November, which tells me that's who they think is going to be the championship game. It's very interesting. And Jonathan, how does how does Oklahoma respond to playing the rival November fourth instead of the end of the year and in a close win or a close loss could could set them on a spiral the next week against TCU? And um, they get Kansas, but then they play West Virginia. So how is that going to impact Oklahoma or Oklahoma State playing their rival that early in November? You know, it's a very good question. Oklahoma State got the raw draw on this because they have to go to Texas, to West Virginia. They're home for Oklahoma, then they're at Iowa State. So they got a really tough crunch in that. Okay, if Oklahoma State loses Oklahoma, they might just pack it in. Let's be real because this this it's it's a tough shed there. You're you're going, let's see, at Pittsburgh, T, at blah, blah, blah. Okay, so home against Baylor, at Texas, at West Virginia, home against Oklahoma, at Iowa State, home against Kansas State, home against Kansas. <laughs> like, that's a tough little run there. And Oklahoma's right dead in the middle. You lose Oklahoma, you get to go to Ames, then you get to come back for Kansas State, you're going to get kicked in the teeth twice, you know it. They, both those teams are going to come swinging haymakers. Whereas you're Oklahoma, you lose them, you get TCU at home, so you kind of get a breeze, right? And that game is... No, it's it's in uh, it's in Stillwater this year, which should give the Cowboys an advantage. I, I, I'm I honestly though, I'm with you. I mean, I think but that game should be a rivalry week. Now, with that being said, I kind of like the method of ten team conferences with um, you play all nine, but I don't like a conference championship game with it because that means you're playing somebody a second time. And we've talked about this and we've seen this. Then more often than not. Those those two matchups split. Whoever won the first time loses the second time. So it can create a lot of just weird buzz things going on. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not a huge fan of it. Like imagine if the SEC did this and you had Alabama Auburn the week after the Iron Bowl. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden Auburn's coming out with a little more smoke because they they just game filmed. Yeah, I think this hurts Oklahoma State, and I'll tell you why, Jonathan. If Oklahoma, just say they drop to Oklahoma State November 4th, and they play them in Dallas, the neutral field, or wherever they where are they playing the championship game at? Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I uh, I don't know. It used to be Kansas City. Um, well, huh. I'll tell you. Just, just picture this. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma by a touchdown in November November 4th. And then at the end of the season in the in the Big Twelve Championship game on a neutral field, Oklahoma beats Oklahoma State. So to me, 
Oklahoma's your conference champion, right? So they're your conference champion, or Oklahoma State's your regular season Big 12 champion. But because Oklahoma beat them on a neutral site at the end of the year, and they would be on a one, two, three, that'd be a four-game winning streak right there after they won that game. I think Oklahoma would would go ahead of Oklahoma State because I think the neutral field would 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 carry more weight than being on the road in a rival game. I think you get forgiveness a lot for losing road games and rival games like that. I, I, I agree with you. I think you do get the, the forgiveness um, in, in those situations. I mean, we see it time and time again where, you know, somebody loses to their rival on the road and you're kind of like, oh, okay, that's fine. You know, we're not going to kill you for it. Like, you know, Miami loses to Florida State and Tallahassee and everybody's like, okay, well, you know what happened. And all of a sudden, Miami loses the next three, and you're like, okay, there's the sign. Uh, you know, <laughs> had to get my dig in there. Um, but, no, I, I agree. I, I do think that this is actually sets up worse. This is, does actually. This does actually set up worse for Oklahoma State, um, at least for this year. And if Oklahoma State loses that first game, guess what, Jonathan? They lost the home game, which kind of hurts you more, you know, in, in the committee's eyes if you lose at home. It's kind of like that year in 2010 when Auburn went to Alabama. Alabama was nine and two. Auburn eleven and zero. Gets down twenty four to nothing in your rivals game like that. And and Alabama was very talented, but it goes to show you how you can get just blindsided all of a sudden. And that rival wants nothing more than to ruin your entire season. Well, these two yep. hate each other too. But I'm gonna make a prediction right now. Early in the season, before in June, I'm I'm predicting Oklahoma State to win the Big 12. I'm going to go ahead and predict that now. I'm, 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 not, I'm not ready with that conference yet because i got to do a little more digging on those two teams, to be honest with you. But let me just say that I like where you're stepping. I mean, if you had said Texas, I would have had to slap you. Let's be honest, guys. Texas is not making a God, championship so run this year. Oh, my God. God, dude, y'all had, didn't even go to a bowl game last year. Also, y'all, come on, Texas fans, let's be reasonable for five <laughs> minutes and realize you're not making a run this year. You're not going to play for the Big 12 championship. You're not going to win 10 games. You're not. It's not going to happen. He's got to change an entire offense. He's got to change well, an entire on, defense. Hold on, Jonathan. They're huh? bringing 10 players back on a defense. It sucks. So isn't that good? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Color me tickled pink on that one. Come on now. I mean, let's let's be honest. This year, no doubt about. Baylor is taking a step back. They're having an image. Uh, they're having a reimaging thing. Um, Texas is. The, Texas will take a minor step forward, but it's not playing for the conference championship. It's not playing for ten games. Texas will go to a bowl game this year. You couldn't say that last year. Texas will beat Kansas this year. You couldn't say that last year. Yeah, I went there. Deal with it. Uh, you know, Texas, That's Texas a good is probably going to take us. That's then, a great point, Jonathan. How are you going to lose to Kansas and think you're going to win the Big 12 and make a playoff this year? Seriously. I'm saying. I'm saying. So, who, who, who's the other team? West Virginia? We can't take them seriously. Like, okay. And if you tell me Will Greer comes out all righted up and starts throwing bottles everywhere, fine. Because they probably had the best defense in the conference last year other than that Oklahoma game where they got dumped from. 
and even then the running back ran for, what, 300 yards? So West Virginia, maybe. Kansas State, probably not, but you never really count them out, but you got to have to. So the, the Big 12 championship game is going to be in the, is going to be between the two teams in Oklahoma. And whoever loses that first matchup will win the second one. And I'll tell you, right about now, I'm leaning that Oklahoma is going to win the second matchup. I really do. I think they're going to win the conference because of the championship game, even though I think Oklahoma State might be, well be the higher-ranked team going into it. Yeah, just, just so uh, just people know on defense, Texas gave up 31.5 points a game, for God's sake. 200 on the ground, about 258 passing. Uh, but, but here's a trivia question for everybody. <laughs> trivia question for everybody out there. Who am I? I beat Rhode Island last year, and my other win was against Texas. I finished 2-10. and 10. Who am I? <laughs> Uh, I finished one and eight in the Big Twelve. What is Kansas University? Thank you. Ding 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 ding. I mean, we're talking about a new car? It's a bad team. Uh, I don't know. But maybe you can talk to Quinn or Jason tonight. How about that? But I'll oh. show you defense. Like, like I want to let's look at Alabama compared to Texas. I know it's not fair to compare, but it's just. Kind of like the truth. Bama gave up 13 points a game, okay? 13. Mm-hmm. Texas gave up 32. Okay, good Lord. And on defense, well, I, I, rushing the I ball. got a better one. I got a better one. Who? The University of Virginia went 2-10 and 10 last year with wins over Central Michigan and Duke. Don't ask how. Uh, I mean, this is a team that lost to Connecticut and Richmond. They gave up. 33 and a half points per game last year, and they went two and ten in the ACC. Let's remember how bad was Texas's defense? Y'all only gave up two points less than Virginia. Yeah, that's pretty bad. And and Virginia had a had about the same piss poor rushing defense. They both gave up 190 a game on the ground. I mean, these are exactly the same stats, man. You look at Texas and Virginia defense inside of the ball; they're exactly the same. <laughs> the only difference is Texas averaged nine more points a game on offense. So that's what put Texas, what, when they finished five and seven last year, and now they're going to go to a national championship. Well, Auburn went three and nine and then went to a national championship game. But that was because they had 32 seniors, 31 seniors in Cam Newton, Jonathan. Let's get real. It doesn't happen overnight unless you have – a great game-changing player. And I don't think uh, Shane Boucher, Bobby Boucher's brother, is, uh, <laughs> is going to be able to get it done. I mean, everybody seems to forget that that Auburn team got uh, Cam Newton. Like, oh, how did they get so good overnight? Cam Newton showed up. That's exactly what happened. Like, without Cam Newton, that team goes like 7-5. and five. With Cam Newton, that team won a national championship. Just, just call it like a seat. Like, you know, so we all need to remember that with Auburn. When you look at all the other teams that won that championship, they've been knocking on the door for a little bit. So, you know, you got, you got to remember that you got to build something. Texas didn't add an impact player. They added a coach who in his time at Houston in the first year was really – I mean, he, he did a wonderful job. If uh, their quarterback hadn't been hurt, they would have been undefeated going to that peaceful. And then in his second year – this team had the meltdown against Navy where they couldn't hold on to the ball, and they kind of just checked out. The minute they realized that they weren't going to make the playoffs, 
he checked out until they played Louisville, right? So, you know, he, he done a, he's done a solid job recruiting. Let's remember that. Um, he was a good play caller at Ohio State. Let's remember that. But nowhere in his background is defense. And that defense took a step back last year compared to the year before. And I'm talking about Houston. Mm-hmm. So, if you're Texas, and I don't know why we're spending so much time talking about such a crap school right now, but if you're Texas you brought them up. and you're your fan base, <laughs> y'all need to realize, stop it. By the way, trivia, first time since 1947, Oklahoma and Texas will have a new coach in the same year. Wow, great job. And and, and here's this, this coach you have right here. Here's the juggernaut you brought in to coach your shitty 5-7 and seven team that couldn't even make a bowl game and beat Kansas. Uh, Navy lost 40-46. to 46. Mm-hmm. SMU lost by 22. Uh, I remember Memphis that. Memphis lost lost by four, and then you got, I mean, skull drug by San Diego State, like the the worst bowl game you could possibly get into, and they got these 34 to 10. So, yeah, I mean, he comes to Texas. Really? I mean, so I'm looking at these scores. I'm looking at your stats on defense, and, yeah, it's possible you may get worse, but if you do, everybody's going to get fired. So uh, mm-hmm. I just don't see an improvement on defense. And when you're playing offenses like Oklahoma – and here's the deal, September 16th, they go to USC. So just think about that thing. <laughs> that, that early in the season, they're going to get a half a hundred put on them in the first half at Southern Cal. And then <laughs> I don't know where they go from there. <laughs> down. Down very quickly. Like, oh, my God. I mean, so, I mean, so you get Maryland. Luckily, it's at home to open the year, right? I mean, Maryland went to a bowl game last year. DJ Durkin seems to be building something there. I think he's a good coach. I think they have uh, um, some talent at Maryland. So, uh, good luck with that game, right? And like you said, at USC, boy, unless your defense has figured something out and get a pass for us on USC, who's replacing, what, three starting offensive linemen, I think both tackles and a guard, boy, good luck. Get to go to Iowa State, which has been like a place of nightmares for them. Uh, you get Kansas State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State in a three-week stretch. That sounds fun. Get to go to Baylor and TCU back-to-back weeks. That's enjoyable. Uh, oh, there it is, Kansas. They get Kansas at home, guys. Revenge game at oh, West Virginia. Revenge game. <laughs> yeah, Kansas, the revenge game. So, I mean, I, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't understand the hype. Look, I get it. I like who I saw from Shane last year as a true freshman. Obviously, you guys are talented at the skill position. Um, you you know you're bringing back the left side of your offensive line and your center, which is huge. You bring back a lot on defense, but like we were talking about, the defense kind of sucked. Like it might be really talented, but the defense sucked. And with that being said, I'm done talking about Texas. Who else can we pick on? Yeah. Well, I'm, one more comment about Texas, Jonathan. You think after that team last year, if you're going to really turn it around, you got to have a top five class, I think, something like that. But I'm looking, they're like 26 in recruiting. That's not enough. I don't care what you say. 26 is not enough to turn around a 5-17. And, and, the, and the years before weren't that good either. I'm just saying last year. Uh, you don't, you're not competing with Bama's, Ohio State, Georgia, Southern Cal, Michigan, Florida State, LSU, Oklahoma, Auburn, Notre Dame in recruiting. I'm sorry. I mean, hell, even Mississippi State out-recruited you last year. But yet you're going to go 5-7 and seven to the – to the playoffs. I mean, come on, guys. Let's get real. I mean, we we don't want to talk about Texas all night, but but they are the most overhyped team that I've seen so far this year. And when you hear people talking, 
Who's your dark horse? Who's your sleeper? Texans. Why? Have they got a Pee Wee Herman? Is that really the reason? Okay. So I just I just wanted to make sure people understood. If you want to call in six four six seven one six five five six four. I see. I, it's been a while since we've done the show, and I still haven't forgotten that number. So my computer is just the screen went black on me. I guess it's not used to working this long <laughs> on, on radio. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I know it works. I, I use it, but not this computer. We have some people in the studio. If you'd like to get in, press number one. We'll talk some football. We'll talk some NBA. Whatever you want to talk about. But I want to go through Lindy's top ten with you. And if yeah. you want to go through Athlon's in a minute, Jonathan, if you want to go through Athlon's top ten real quick, is I'll pull up Lindy's and I'll read out Lindy's. Uh, go ahead and do Lindy's, then I'll do Athlon's. Yeah, look at you. You like me over here stumbling around, can't find anything. All right, here we go. Y'all ready? We'll, we'll we'll start it. We'll start at number ten. The Auburn Tigers coming at number ten, and Lindy's, which I think that's a good number. I like being ten. It's better than like twenty five, and it's you're not in the top five with all the pressure. Oklahoma number nine. Don't know what that. I don't. I don't know if this magazine was published when that happened. When Stoops stepped down, but we'll see. Number eight, Washington. Number seven, Clemson, way overrated here. Number six, Penn yep. State. Number five, Oklahoma State. And this is the first time I've looked at the top ten. Oklahoma State, five. Florida State, hmm. four. Ohio hmm. State, three. Southern uh, Cal, two. And guess who? Alabama, number one. Uh, okay, so Alabama, one. Duh. Like, we got to do that so Nick Saban leaves. Like that's that's anyway. Uh, USC at number two feels too damn high. Uh, pardon the pun. Uh, but uh, I, I mean, let's. Why do we do this? Why why do people always get sucked into USC? I get it. They put in the Arnold. They ran the table with him. They won a great Rose Bowl. That's fine and dandy. Yeah. But damn it, they still lost three games last year. Clay your coach. Clay Helton's your coach, and you lost about yeah. 50 to Alabama, so you're, you're not back. I'm sorry. You're yeah, not back. You lost, you lost three linemen. You lost your best receiver. You lost your best quarterback, who's also mm-hmm. your best uh, uh, playmaker on special teams. Uh, look, stop it. Washington is I, – I get Washington lost to USC last year. But I firmly believe that if Washington was healthy, they would have beaten them because Washington, oh, top to bottom, was better last year. You know, Washington didn't have their two edge rushers for that game. I, I I'm not trying to make too many excuses here. I'm just saying, Washington should be the favorite. But who picked Washington to win the conference last year? Put your hand up. High. You did. Who picked them to make you the did. playoff? High. Like, let's, let's get it, right? So, did Browning come back? Didn't he have, like, 50 touchdowns last year? Uh, right, they bring them back both their top running backs. Oh, they lose the guy that ran a 4-2 and, sit and, and can't stay healthy, but they got all their other receivers back, didn't they? Wow. Like, come on. Washington and USC should be flipped and then drop Washington a little bit, and that's, that's like number five. Um, but it, 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 the USC love is ridiculous. If they weren't USC, they would not be ranked number two. If you took that team and said it was Oregon, they would not be number two. They'd be number seven. Right. Um. I, I. I need. I need help though. Can you explain to me the Ohio State buzz? Like I get it. Michigan should have it down here. They're replacing all their their entire defense. 
but can you explain to me why I'm just supposed to believe Ohio State's a, a top three team? Like, why why am I supposed to believe that? They lost all that no. talent on defense. They can't throw the football. What, what am I missing? Help me out here. That's the key. And, and last year I said it. I was like, these guys can't beat Clemson. I didn't know they were going to lose 31 to nothing. Let's get real. But they can't beat Clemson because they can't throw the ball downfield. They they shouldn't have beaten Michigan. The refs cheated them, uh, so they beat them. But you have the same quarterback. You have the same type of players. I don't think that 31 to nothing drumming was good for the morale of Ohio State, especially when you when you lose all of that defense. The reason you're even there. So JT Barrett to me, he just doesn't look. He looks like a, a B quarterback. He's not that good. He can run the football, but he can't throw. Look, anytime you have Urban Meyer and Ohio State, Southern Cal, you, you get those names, people are going to overhype you. But I don't know. I think Oklahoma State would be more of an argument to be ahead of them. Let's bring Quinn on real quick. If I can, if I can bring him in here. Let's see. I think that's Quinn, unless my memory's gone bad. So let's let's bring him on in a second. We'll ask him what he thinks. But yeah, Southern Cal, Ohio State's a little overhyped to me. Quinn, let me know when you're in. My my computer is acting like I'm a file up, not six hey! computer. Look hey. What's up, Quinn? What's up? What? What's, <laughs> what's going on? What do you think of our top ten here from Lindy's? Anything you want to comment on, or anything we talked about before? Uh, I agree with you guys about USC. I'm here looking at Ohio State's schedule. With their schedule, I think they make it in the playoffs. I don't. I see them losing at most one game, which should get them in the playoff, which would indicate that they would be a top four team. So, not see anything wrong with that. But I fully expect for USC to choke since they have choked for the past. Ever since Carroll's been there, for so for the past 13, 14 years, whenever they've had expectations on them, they've always seemed to not live up to it. So I expect USC to choke again. Yeah, I mean, look, like, like Jonathan's just telling you, you know, take the name USC, take the cheerleaders off the sideline, which, you know, I like them, by the way. Um, you, you just put them on the field. You put them on the field, and you line them up against Bay Auburn right now. You don't know the names. You look at the team. I guarantee you I would put Auburn way ahead of Southern Cal. I guarantee you I would put Oklahoma State ahead of Southern Cal. I would put Washington ahead of Southern Cal. And all Jonathan is saying, why the hype? So I'm going to Athlon real quick. Let's see. Let's see the difference here between Athlon and Lindy's. It seems like Lindy's had some stones on them. So, let's see. Alabama one. Well, let's see who's better here. Ohio State two. I'm not very impressed with that one. Florida State three. Washington Mm -hmm. four. USC five. Penn State six. Clemson seven. Oklahoma eight. Auburn nine. Michigan ten. So, that's not too far off, but you know, at least they're giving Washington some credit. They're going SEC champ, Big Ten champ, ACC champ, and Pac-12 champ. That's the way it should be for the most part. And then they're saying Big 12 champ all the way down to number eight. How about Big 12 chump down to number eight? They can't even get in the playoff with a champion. You know what, but, though? Uh, There's something interesting here. 
because I've obviously Alabama's an overwhelming favorite for the SEC, but number two is Auburn. Hmm. So what you're telling me is the Iron Bowl is going to decide the conference, huh? Huh, it's interesting. Um, I mean, for the most part, Oklahoma Oklahoma State have been rather close together. So you're going to tell me Bedlam, which will then be the Big 12 championship game, most likely is going to decide that conference. Huh. Uh, USC and Washington are both in the top ten. I mean, Apple has a four and five because – Essentially, I heard an interview with um, one of the editors for Aspon, and he said, look, they're neck and neck, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, look, you're just trying to pick, you're trying to fit your form in the playoff. Uh, and those two teams play each other in the Pac-12, well, most likely play each other in the Pac-12 championship game, if all things hold true. That's interesting. Uh, and then Ohio State, Penn State, who, you know, so you're telling me whoever wins the Big Ten East is going to represent the Big Ten. Huh. So the ACC... Atlantic is useless, or is it Coastal? Coastal, my bad. Wow. The ACC Coastal is useless. The Big Ten West is useless. The SEC East is useless. Um, that's that's a strong statement there to say that three com- three divisions in the top three conferences in college football are pretty much non-existent and not important whatsoever. Yeah. True that, but but um, but Quinn, what do you think about Auburn being in the top ten in both? I think where they're starting preseason is is I think in the real AP and stuff they'll probably be about eleven, twelve, nine, something like that, ten. I think that's a great place to start for Auburn because I think people recognize the talent. I think people recognize Stidham, and I think people that are that have their kind of conservative uh, concerns about Stidham are going to get them a race pretty quick, but. I would rather start out number 10 than number one or two. What do you think, Quinn? Auburn always sucks when they start out in the top five. Yeah, well, I don't think Auburn deserves to start in the top five anyway. But, uh, yeah, as long as Stidham stays healthy, Auburn should have a really good year. Uh, so I, you, you can I'm start okay Auburn with... at 130 if you want to. What about you, Jonathan? Start Auburn at 130 for all I care. As long as they keep winning, they're going to get the top four. I, I, I agree. I mean, you know my infatuation with Auburn right now, and it's really because I like Stidham that much. Um, to the point where if he had come to Florida State, he'd probably start through a Francois. That's how good I think this kid is. Um, so, you know, I, I, I personally, because the year Florida State won their title in 13, we started the year at number 13. Uh, which is odd. But, uh, anyways, um, it takes a lot of pressure off you early in the year. You kind of wait for everybody to fall because at some point everybody's going to stumble, right? So you're just waiting for everybody else to get their stumble out of the way. You know, you guys that year didn't even start the year right, uh, which obviously there was no pressure on you. And really, did you guys feel any pressure that year until you beat A&M? I think that was the game where everybody all of a sudden went, wait a minute. They only have one loss. I, I remember that was the game where I went, hold on, what, whoa, whoa. Oh, you mean tell me Auburn's only lost one game? Why does that just feel right? You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, so yeah. I think it's nice to start ranked a little lower because teams aren't swinging hard at you out the gate, as, well, as hard as they would at, like, in Alabama. Well, losing to LSU was not a surprise, but the way we fought in that second half kind of surprised me. Like, wow, usually we'll get beat by 50 when we go down 21 nothing, but – the team fought, and, I, and you're right. That that A and M game let everybody know that. And Quinn, you can speak on this too. It let everybody know that 
hey, this team can put up a lot of points, and they're dangerous. You go to A&M and beat Johnny Manziel like that, and after that happens, you know, with the Georgia game, the, the miracle on the plains, and then the kick six, hell, I mean, there was no doubt to me that Ohio State was going to lose the next the Big Ten championship after Auburn beat Missouri because it was destined to happen. Too bad that uh, Auburn's defense showed up against Florida State that last minute, right, Quinn? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that year, actually going into that season, I just never had the stones to come out and say it because I look like a crazy person. But I felt in my in my gut that it was going to be a special season. And I was trying to deny it myself because Auburn just came off a 3-9 and nine season. But, uh, yeah, after that A&M game, I came to terms that my gut feeling must have been right. I had the same feeling before the 2010 season when I told my dad, if Auburn makes it to the national championship game, can we go? And then that's when they went on the season. He was just saying something crazy. (laughs) Yeah, and so, I mean, I'm starting to kind of get that feeling this year. I'll probably get it a little bit closer to the season, but I think this season could be really special. Well, well, let's think about it, guys. Like, when Auburn's had great seasons, they tend to start slow in a way. Like, they beat Clemson in overtime in 2010. They barely beat South Carolina. Didn't look good against Washington State the first game. This year, they played Georgia Southern, Clemson, Mercer. It's kind of hard not to look good against two of those. But, but Jonathan, by looking at the the projections of or the past history, I think Auburn-Clemson – probably be a close game. I think Auburn could blow them out, but I think if history's right that that Auburn and Clemson will be a tough, close game, and then at Missouri will probably be a nail-biter, and then Auburn will start kind of getting their stride before that LSU game October 14th around in there. So I think the schedule sets up nicely for Auburn because you look all the way until October 14th, Georgia Southern, Clemson, Mercer, Missouri, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss, I just don't think that's a juggernaut right there. So you're halfway through the season now you've got a chance to get your offensive line gelling your running game your quarterback your defense and there's no problem with them going right through lsu arkansas a&m georgia and monroe jonathan if they're hot yeah i mean the, the only tough stretch you have is that lsu arkansas back-to-back uh where you're on the road uh outside of that and a&m schedule... well luckily there's a bye week for a&m um Oh, so yeah, you do yeah. get the breather. Um, I mean, so, huh, with the schedule, this, I, I didn't realize your schedule, you know, we probably talked about it before, but I just never realized your schedule kind of sets up really nice. You know, you have Georgia Southern, Clemson, Mercer, Missouri, right? You should come out of that 4-0. Then you have Mississippi State Ole Miss, 6-0. Then you have LSU and Arkansas. Let's say for grids you split that. Let's just say for grid, just I don't think you will. I think you can beat. I think you should beat both those teams. Uh, I know I liked LSU a lot last year. I, I think they're good, but they're until LSU finds a quarterback. That's all they're missing. Until they find a competent quarterback and develop one, um, and who knows? Maybe Matt Canada can do that this year. But until otherwise, I think they're going to keep finishing like nine and three. Okay, but you know, so let's say you split that. Just because it's a tough road split. 
You're going to beat A&M. You're going to beat Georgia, even though I think that game has the potential to be really fun. You're going to beat Monroe, and you have the Iron Bowl. You can go to the Iron Bowl 10-1, and, 10 and 11-0. I mean, I really think the set, the deck sets up really nice for Auburn this year. It really does. The schedule set up nice. The, the way that Ole Miss kind of tanked set up nice for them. I, I think this is going to be a very good year for Auburn. I think this is a year where being in the top ten uh, is not overranking them. Where, you know, as in years prior, you can look at certain teams and be like, well, they're they're a little overrated. Like, Clemson is probably a little overrated this year. And don't get me wrong, Clemson's going to be a good team. But, you know, their quarterback situation is kind of tricky. Yeah, going to be. They're going to be a good team, which means, you know, get them halfway through the season at the end and see what they do. But one thing that concerns me about Auburn, but the good thing is, too, they'll be hungry for those last three. They go a month, Quinn, without coming back to Auburn. They they play uh, Ole Miss October 7th in Auburn, and then they go at LSU, at Arkansas, bye week, at A&M. So it's over a month before they come back home and play Georgia. I think that benefits Auburn because just think about it. A month you haven't played inside your stadium, and it's against a, a team that's beat you like three years in a row. I think that that sets up well for Auburn coming down the men's corner right here. Yeah, I agree. And I'll say this. I think it's highly probable that Auburn will buzz through the first six games going into the OSU game. I think they could buzz through the first six games. Without really any problem. I mean, Clemson, Clemson without a – if their quarterback isn't that good, I mean, even though it's at Clemson, that game doesn't really scare me. The only game on the schedule that really scares me is at LSU because they haven't won at LSU in yeah. forever. So it's coverable. Yeah, but, but Quinn, how much pressure is that on Clemson and Dabo Sweeney? that the second game of the year is going to be a college game day, 8 p.m. Eastern kickoff probably, in your home stadium. So, And Auburn's got a chance to come in there and embarrass you with that kind of offense that they have. Their quarterback position is settled, I think. Their team's a lot more settled. They didn't lose what they lost, what Clemson lost. I think it's going to be a lot of pressure on Clemson and too big of a stage for a first-year quarterback that you're going to start. I think that's where – that's why the Clemson game doesn't scare me a lot. It's not being a, on the road. It's, uh, I mean, it doesn't scare me because Clemson doesn't have a quarterback. Yeah, I, I think this could be a similar, maybe not as bad as a beating, but when Florida State went in there in 2013 and just absolutely demolished them. I don't know if it'll be that bad. I love that. But I think it could be like a similar thing where. It, where they get beat down pretty good. I think Auburn could run through most of the schedule except for the at LSU and then the Bama game. I think both those games will be close, but I think they could beat everyone else by 10-plus points. Hey, Quinn, you, you, you talked about LSU game, and we'll talk about it. Every year Auburn struggles against LSU or they barely beat them. The, the common thing is Auburn just didn't have a quarterback and neither does LSU. Well, this year, if Stidham's who, he, who we think he is, how is LSU going to beat an Auburn team that's going to at least put up 30, 31 points on you? Auburn's defense should be pretty good. So you think Danny Etling's going to put up 30? I think 30 is no. a lot to ask. 
No, but the LSU defense is pretty good, and and Auburn with Cam only got only beat them by seven at home. You know what I mean? I just think the Auburn LSU games are always gonna. Are, when Auburn wins them, they're usually always tight. So like, especially yeah. when it's in LSU, I expect it to be tight. Yeah, but the good thing is LSU returns only four players on defense starters. The the big big advantage to me, Jonathan, and tell me if I'm wrong. I think Ed Orgeron's a clown, so he's never going to outcoach. That's one thing. He will never outcoach somebody. He may out talent them, out physical them, but I'm telling you, you'll never have to worry about Ed Orgeron over there drawing up some kind of special play to surprise anybody. Yeah, but the nice thing with Ed Orgeron is that he has two of the better coordinators in college football right now, so he doesn't have to do anything. Uh, Ed Orgeron's job is to recruit and, and clock manage. And if he can clock manage better than Les Miles, <laughs> he, he's got it made. Uh, because I have a four-month-old son that can do that. <laughs> well, um, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> I mean, you know, because Matt Canada is a very good play caller. We saw what he did uh, with Pittsburgh last year. Uh, you know, he made Nathan Peterman a draft pick when Nathan Peterman at Tennessee um, – he couldn't complete 50% of his passes. Uh, so, you know, Matt, Matt Canada is a very good offensive coordinator. I think he's going to do a lot of good things with this team. They're going to be able to run the football, as always. Defensively, you know they're going to get after you. They're going to play smash mouth. Dave Aranda is an excellent coordinator, uh, you know, from Wisconsin. Uh, so, you know, I, I think, you know, LSU will hang tight. They will just because, they will, you know, it's like the Alabama game last year. You kind of knew they had no shot of beating Alabama. But you knew they were going to find a way to hang around, and they did. That defense played out of their mind. So I think looking at LSU, if their defense is as good as it was last year, that's a defense that only gave up 16 points a game. And remember, they scored 28 mm-hmm. points a game. They scored. Let's see. Um, when did he take over? All right, so after Les Miles, 42-45-38-0, 38-10, 54-10. That offense saw an uptick under Ed Orgeron. You know, and granted, I mean, they scored points against Missouri and Southern Miss and Ole Miss and Arkansas and A&M and Louisville, but still, like, they don't put up points. Whereas this is a team that put up 14 against Wisconsin. They put up 23 against Mississippi State, you know, 13 against Auburn. You know, the offense all of a sudden performed a little better. Now you get a better coordinator in there who can do some things. And I think LSU is going to be competitive with Auburn. I, I, you know, like I said, Edwards Run has a very easy yeah. job, and he understands it. That's the best part about it. And the thing is, guys, I mean, the thing is, conservatively about Edwards Run, is after he took over, he did lay an egg against Florida at home. And I don't know. That was a big game for, for LSU. Losing that Wisconsin game to start, it just killed him. But that Florida game seemed to – to really hurt them in my mind. And then they turned around, they beat A&M, which that's not saying anything. They did beat Louisville, which we know that they quit by then. But I just worry about a team, Quinn, that that only returns five offensive starters. And one of those guys is a quarterback, which is concerning. The receivers that are usually just unbelievable, I just don't see that this year. But I don't see anybody that can get it to them. But I don't know about the health of the running back, Quinn. Talk a little bit about Darian Geist. Let me know what you think about him because I Darius Geist. I think he 
he's a good running back, but I think he's going to struggle to stay healthy and a hundred percent in this conference. Oh, I think he's good. No, there's a question if he stays healthy or not. I'm not sure. I don't remember if he dealt with any injuries or not. But the thing to note is the week before they play Auburn, LSU has to go to Florida. Yeah, which, that's a great thing. If that's a tough game, that could be tough for him to rebound a week later. But the, both teams could go into that, go into the game 6-0, and which Oof, might make a game there. day. Yeah. Oh, that it'll it'll be an LSU. You can mark my words on that. But but the thing, I I don't want y'all to think I'm knocking the running back for LSU because I think he just you know I think I was reading Athlon and they said that an SEC coach or an assistant coach was saying he's just as good as Fournette. But the thing is, Jonathan, he runs harder than Fournette. And I think when you run hard with those kind of legs and in this conference, you can easily tweak a hamstring early in the season, pull one, and it never heals up the entire season. That's what I was thinking about the way he runs. He just seems like he'd be more injury prone than most. I yeah, yeah, like that took sophomore year where he pulled his hammy and he was never hundred percent for the rest of the season. I I understand that. Um but I, I do think Geis is just as good as Fournette and I was saying that last year. Uh, you know, problem with Fournette was he was injury prone. You know, I but LSU's always done a fantastic job of being three running back deep. Um you know, and they don't have to just give the ball to Fournette now like they did before. Uh, it's going to be very interesting how LSU goes. I mean, you know, Danny Evans, your quarterback, and that's uh, that's probably never a good sign. But if you're LSU, and you have number A, Danny Evans was a highly rated prospect out of, coming out of, out of high school. B, he showed some signs of improvement towards the end of the year. And C, look what Matt Canada did with, with, with Peterman. You know, if he can do it with Peterman, who's to say he can't do it with Edlin? You know, I think we need to give uh, Matt Canada a chance here with this LSU offense to see what he can do. This isn't Cam Cameron, uh, who we all kind of knew was going to be an iffy hire. This is Matt Canada, somebody who has a very good track record of success under his belt, somebody who helped Pitt um, last year. I mean, this is a Pitt team that beat Penn State and Clemson. Uh, you know, not, not too many people can say they beat two conference champions um, last year, you know, this Pitt team averaged 40 points a game last year, 41. They averaged 41 points a game with 447 yards of offense. You know, I mean, they lost in the shootout to Oklahoma State. They lost in the shootout to North Carolina. They lost in the shootout to Virginia Tech. And, yeah, they got monkey stopped by Miami. And the bowl game, everybody got hurt. But, you know, I, I look at it, and I you know, I just I, I have high expectations for Matt Canada and what he can do with talent at LSU that nobody's really been able to do. Since Jimbo, we'll see, by the way, we'll, we'll see what he can do. I mean, it just seems like Ed Orgeron, the same guy that ripped his shirt off in the locker room, play a coach in Ole Miss. It's just when I see stuff, I just can't. Until he does something great, I'm not going to give him credit for anything because I just don't think he's capable of it. But again, he can recruit. He does have some good coaches, but again, the discipline of a team. How disciplined is LSU going to be? Under Ed Orgeron, I just don't think it's going to be that disciplined. And, and I think teams take on the personality of their head coach. Ed Orgeron's a clown. So I, I guess they're going to dress up in clown costumes and run around out there because that's that's what I think is going to happen. But I could be wrong. But, hey, guys, I don't want to leave here without talking the NBA finals. Right. Um, 
the Cavs and the Warriors. Five games, the game five tomorrow night, Jonathan. I don't know about you, but I think if Durant was missing from this equation, I think Cleveland would have a 3-1 lead right now. I think you're right. I mean, is it kind of sad that I didn't watch a finals game till the second half of game four? And that was just because I expected uh, a comeback. Like, that's that's how much I don't care. Like, we knew, what, what everybody's predicting at the end of the year for the finals, if you had a head on your shoulders and were was not trying to be a contrarian, was uh, Golden State and Cleveland with Golden State winning. And, you know, I mean, the fact that Golden State won their first 15 playoff games, that's really amazing. Nobody's done that before. Um, you know, and to think, you know, oh, well, you know, they didn't sweep. Oh, my goodness. And you're like, well, yeah, I mean, A, it's hard to sweep in the finals. And, and B, look who you're playing against. You're playing against the one the championship last year. And so the, Cleveland shot an insane rate from behind, from behind the arc in game four. I don't see that uh, replicating itself. Um, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, they were over yeah. 50%. You know, I, just, I don't see that happening again. You know, I, I, I just – for for a league that thinks it's somehow going to overtake the NFL, uh, I don't see it. This is a joke. This, this is a joke of a product. It is an absolute joke. When at the beginning of the year, you can sit there and peg who the two teams are and, and are going to be playing for the title. Uh, that that That's a joke. This, this, this league is not the new uh, sport of America. No, that's not how this works, okay? Right, you yeah. actually have to, like, you know, be somewhat competitive and let other people have hope for it to be a sport of America. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, you know, you look at college football, nobody can predict that. You look at Major League Baseball, nobody can predict it. You look at the NFL, it's very entertaining every week and even through the playoffs. But the NBA, we, we were at Christmas talking about it, like, Hey, uh, how how many games is the finals going to go between the Warriors and the Cavs? We we never once, and I said that two weeks ago on this show, we never once discussed any other teams that could compete. We knew Boston was a joke. We knew San Antonio was ancient. They're they're terrible. And, um, I mean, we, we knew it was coming to this. But here's what bothers me about the whole thing, and I said it on Facebook earlier on our way in sports. What bothers me is, is Durant and these super teams. They LeBron started this whole thing, guys, with with going to Miami to to pay for a championship. No, and then he came to Cleveland no. and bought him another one. Yes, he did. Boston, he started Boston, st- Boston started it. Oh Boston, yeah, okay, they, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, I, when I, when I got they, my when years they mixed in, up. Yeah, when they brought in KG and Ray Allen, that that's. I mean, if we're mad at anybody, it's those guys who started this crap and LeBron and, and Boston then went, huh, that's a good idea. We should do this, too. I mean, it ruins basketball at the end of the day. I mean, there has it never does. been a better argument for contraction than this. Because then let everybody be a super team. Have 10 teams in the NBA, and they all want to stack as all-stars and great players. Then we have some parity. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, there, there's no parity. You know what's going to happen. It's whoever wins free agency, whoever gets the right draw. Durant has to understand, A, Durant would have had a natural super team. Like, let's, well, everybody forgets that they almost had a homegrown one. Imagine Obaka and Harden. Ibaka, Durant, Westbrook, Harden. They had a natural one, and OKC didn't want to sell out the money for Harden. They didn't want to give, what was it, like an extra $4 million 
over the total. So they, they went ahead to luxury tax. Are you kidding? Like, uh, buddy, uh, OKC, you ruined yourself. But that's the issue that we have is that OKC would have had a super team like the Bulls had built when the Bulls had Jordan and Pippen and Paxton and Grant, right? And, 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 and instead, Durant jumped ship because he saw writing on the wall. And where did he go? He went to a homegrown super team. The Golden State drafted Curry. They drafted Clay. They drafted Draymond. Like, you know, we're not looking at the back end. We're not looking at guys like Livingston and Iguodala and things of that nature. What we're looking at is, 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 is really these teams like Miami that dipped out. Yeah, it bothers me Draymond Green, Quinn, calls Kevin Durant in the parking lot after they lost to Cleveland and got him to sign with Golden State like that. And I mean, if you're Durant, that takes I, I don't know, I just think it's gutless that you're you're up three to one on Golden State, you choke it away, and instead of, you know, adding a player in the off season coming back hungry, you go join them after they beat you. I just have no respect for that. I'm sorry. And everybody can talk bad about Westbrook all they want. He's a great player. He's a great talent. Is he a little selfish? Yeah. But, I mean, they may be a great player that isn't selfish, really. I mean, well, Curry's probably not. But we not. knew he was going mean, to be. That's what bothers me about the anti Westbrook uh, crack this year was as soon as the rant left, we all said, watch what Westbrook's going to do this year. He's going to take control. This guy is going to average triple doubles left and right, and he's going to break records. He's going to average 40 points a game. And he did this. He did what we said he was going to do, and people were mad at him over it. Why? Yeah. Why? But oh, you have a guy like Westbrook. What do you surround him with? you got to get him some shooters. Roberson's not a shooter. Okay? Oladipo's <laughs> not a shooter. Oladipo is actually the same type of player that Westbrook is. The same type of player Dwayne Wade is. Those guys aren't aren't spot up three point guys, right? You can't put that around Westbrook. You got to get three point shooters around him. That's what made him and Durant so effective. That's what made him and Harden so effective. That's what made him and Ibaka at the end so effective was that he was able to kick out to those guys and they did not go for the open threes. And that's what it was. So if you build the correct team around Westbrook, you can win. Yeah, and every time I, I listen to Colin Coward, if I ever turned it on, he was blasting Westbrook for getting triple doubles. So you're getting on a player for getting triple doubles, and every time LeBron screws up, you're saying he's the best player in the game and, and all this. But Quinn, do you ever listen to Colin Coward like that? And All he talks yeah. about now is LeBron James, how great he is. That's all he talks about, regardless. Yeah, yeah I listen to Coward. I listened to Coward more so than I used to, and then I and then I listened to Skip and uh, Shannon their debate show. Oh, but the si- stupid, on the whole, on, on the whole uh, Durant thing, I realized after LeBron left to South Beach, when I got kind of upset, I asked myself, why am I getting upset over someone doing what they feel is right for them? And so for me, it's whatever he feels right. I think it's dumb that that people say, oh, I lose respect for Durant and all this. Have you ever met Durant? Do you know Durant? Have you ever been in a situation like that before? And I ask people that. And I ask and for everything from people that personally know Durant say he's a great guy. 
so how can all these people rag on him for doing what they what he feels was best for him? Mm-hmm. I can't rag on a guy out. who's been in the league for ten years and wants a ring. If he feels what's best for him is joining <laughs> with a couple other guys, and and it's not like he was a role player. He's went into Golden State and he's become the best player on that team. He's driving that bus. He's not sitting in the passenger seat for a ride. Mm-hmm. That's a great great I, point, Glenn. Jonathan, go ahead. I mean, it, it is. I mean, there was – Yeah, it's funny you bring that up because we've talked we, – we, you know, in, in high school, I remember the coaching change we had for football, and there was a heavy conversation between everybody involved uh, as to whether or not we were going to transfer to another school, and we were all going to do it together and create, if you will, a, a more of a powerhouse high school team out of it. We were going to take, you know, two of the better teams in the district and, and you know, try and, and make a, a state champion. And we decided at the end of the day, no, that kind of cowardly, we're not going to do that. Um, you know, so it's interesting that you bring that up because I feel like there's a lot of people, they face this situation a lot. And how a lot of people look at it and how I look at it and some of the kids that grow up look at it is it's a little cowardly um, and it's taking the easy way out. And I think that's what bothers people more than anything is it comes off as you're taking the easy way out of the situation. Um, and I know that might not be the right way and obviously there's differences and things of that nature. Uh, but you know, I look at the Durant thing, you're right. He's driving that bus. You know, and that, I think that's what created somewhat of an odd dynamic this year for Golden State was, they, you know, it went from a Steph's team to this actually might be KD's team. KD's a better player than, than Steph. Uh, you know, KD, you know, I know, arguably is a top two player. Uh, you know, he's right up there with, with LeBron and with guys like Kawhi and things of that nature. You know, he's one of the better guys out there. Uh, so you, you, you do wonder a little bit um, – how how this is going to shape out again because he's uh, he's only got what uh, one year he has a player option I think it is next year and there's already conversation him maybe re-signing at a lower price to bring him better talent which is always something that I said if you're if you're LeBron James when LeBron left Cleveland <laughs> I always said why um, because if he just takes less money. Because he makes more, he makes more than twice as much off the court than on it. So if he takes less money in the NBA as a player, he can then they can spend that money to get better talent around him, build something. Well, that's always the question I've had for LeBron, which was, you know, the, when he left from Miami, I felt it was cowardly because he could have stayed in Cleveland and he could have taken less money and kind of built something. What he did in Miami when he took what three million less, they could have all three of them. Could just 
take this win he's about to get this ring and you take it uh, this year if you, he could go back and be with Oklahoma Oklahoma City with Westbrook and a team that you played your entire career with you finally got there really and you you made it you made a championship right here you built it you earned it you had the blood sweat and tears this was a sellout to me this was this is what bothered me about Durant this bothered me about LeBron you never heard Jordan call up Magic Johnson and say you know what Let's just join forces, me, you, let's get whoever, let's get Bird together, let's go win a championship. No, they hated each other, and they competed against each other. Now these guys, all they care about is that ring. They just want a ring, and whether they get it, somebody goes and buys them a ring or whatever, that's all they care about. Durant's going to regret this, guys. He's going to regret leaving OKC to do this because it's not a big deal that he, he, he joined a team that won, what, 73 games last year. Okay, you made them – you made them worse, actually, Durant. Congratulations. But the difference is the NBA is the worst. There's no depth in it, guys. Just like Jonathan said, there's no parity. Okay, you beat Cleveland now. So, so Jonathan, is, is LeBron James going to come back and, and go pick up two or three superstars? Or is he going to go join some superstars? What's LeBron going to do? But, but I want you to comment first, Jonathan, on which is sweeter, Durant's win if he stayed at Oklahoma City or, or this one he's about to get that he paid for? I think the I, I think if you told Durant he could have 2012 or this year, he'd take 2012. I'll, I'll put it like that. Uh, and everybody remembers what happened in those finals when they lost to uh, they lost to Miami. And I think that yeah, would mean don't. more to him. No, no he didn't. Look back at, look back at those finals. He averaged over 30 points a game, shot over 50. Everybody thinks Durant choked in that. He also, Harden was the one that choked. Durant had a great final. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, he, you're right. Harden's the one that disappeared. Well, you ran into a super team. I don't, I don't know why I had it in my mind that Durant choked. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I think, I honestly think Durant, I, I think if he told him, he would take the 2012 over this year. I think if you told him, hey, OKC still has Harden and Ibaka, and you can go back, and it's you and Westbrook and all them, I think he'd do that. I think I think it would have been more emotional and meant more in OKC, whereas I honestly think this one's just, I have a ring on my resume now, there it is. And, and it's interesting with yeah. LeBron, because there's rumblings now that he wants to head out to uh, West, supposedly to the, the Lakers or the Clippers. Um, I mean... If, if if he leaves Bruh. again, to me, if, if he leaves again, the greatest of all time, even kind of discussion is over. There's no way you can keep core hopping and and get respect. This guy changes teams like I've changed a channel on the TV. Have you ever seen a superstar in any sport considered one of the best of all time? And LeBron is. Let's let's be real. He is one of the best players we've seen. He's definitely the best player of his generation. Uh, have we seen one yeah. pop like this before? Have we really seen one jump shift left and right like this? I mean, because he leaves Cleveland and goes to L.A. Boy, A, talk about a PR hit from hell. B, why? <laughs> I mean, why? Why? And, and you know, C, I mean, could you imagine? Uh, could you imagine being his kid if he did that? <laughs> I mean, you, you better I have a tough fit because he's going to get pumped. I don't, 
I don't think he will. I think he'll stay in Cleveland. And I heard that he wants his son to go to where where he went to where LeBron went to high school. He wants his son to go to that high school in Akron. I think he's stay, staying in Cleveland. I'm sure he likes it out in LA. He has a house out there. I'm sure he likes the weather and stuff, but I think he'll stay in Cleveland for the rest of his career. We'll see. I mean, if he jumps, boy, oh, boy. But Cleveland fans will be more upset than Auburn fans were when Florida State beat them last week. I know, know, right? Um, But I I don't (laughs) see what Cleveland can do to, to, to to get them past Golden State. And I don't care who they bring in. There's no... There's no duo you can bring in with LeBron. There's nobody that you could bring into Cleveland that could that you could honestly sit here, Quinn, and say, yeah, they can beat Golden State right now. As long as Durant, these guys are young. These guys are very young. They're just going to get better. And people forget Golden State can add pieces too. So once they do all this, I mean, Cleveland, I think LeBron's going to, if he goes out west, it's just, well, hopefully we can beat Golden State before I get to the finals. I mean, so, you know, so at least when I get to the finals, I'm going to win. But, but Quinn, I don't think there's anything LeBron can do to get better for this team. Well, what I've heard about, about they might try and get Paul George, but they would probably have to give up Kevin Love, which would mean they would just have a big three again. I think they would have to have a big four in order to beat Golden State, and I'm not sure they can do that because if they want to get another superstar, they're probably going to they're gonna either have to give up Kyrie, which I won't think they will, which means they would have to give up Kevin Love. And maybe even a role yeah. player to get Paul. You don't want to give up Irving. Love is playing so good, though. I mean, he's finally taken that Chris Bosh role, and he's playing so. What what Cleveland needs is for Tristan Thompson to show back up. Last year, he was a <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but he's too busy with the Kardashians. But. Oh, you know, it is the curse of the Kardashian. I mean, you know, but they, that's what they need. They need Tristan Thompson to show back up. They need J.R. Smith. Who was who was what three for like twenty seven in the first three games? Need him to hit his shot. In all honesty, all Cleveland needs is for J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson to be average. If they're average, this series is probably two two. Like like, like that that's the thing here is that Cleveland's already a great team. They just had a couple poor performances from two players in the first three games that led them to that hole. And not only that, but Cleveland's got a pretty bad coach. Let's be honest. Tyron Lewis is not a good coach. A good coach wouldn't have choked away game three. No doubt in my mind. So, yeah, and that, that's something that you need to look at, is maybe they need to upgrade the coach, but you don't want to fire Ty Lue because you're already paying David Black and still paying Mike Brown. You know, so you're kind of stuck with Ty Lue, which is a dumb hire to begin with. They probably shouldn't have fired David Black, but the guys never really no. gave him a chance. Tyrone Lue yeah, is a mouthpiece. LeBron, LeBron is the head coach, he, and he's the GM, and he's damn near close to being the owner of that organization. Mm-hmm. LeBron, LeBron pretty much controls that whole organization. Yeah, he does. He does. And, and he tolerates Lue. He tolerates Tyrone Lue because he doesn't get in his way. That's really – you know anybody that 
confronts. I know they say Tyron Lue gets up in LeBron's face. Come on, let's get real. If LeBron wanted him gone, all he would do is say, "Hey, it's time to get him out of here." You know, that's all it would take. Quinn's right. He does. He does own it, kind of like Kobe did the Lakers. I mean, it was like, okay, we'll, we'll do whatever they say. So, guys, oh. we'll be back next Sunday for sure. We gotta get off at nine. Jonathan, you got any closing comments? Um, College World Series has been awesome. Auburn was a really good team. Uh, it's a shame that they drew Auburn Florida State. <laughs> no, Auburn man, sucked. that was a really good team. I mean, the the, the fact that we, we made the comeback we did uh, to force that, that, that game three well, it was just pure luck. Uh, you know, I think you guys had a really good team. Uh, Florida State, um, I'm really hoping can go ahead and punch that ticket to Omaha. I haven't been there since I think I was a freshman in high school, so it's been a minute. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really stoked. I think, you know, if you haven't watched the College World Series, this is the best college baseball is going to be. Uh, so I truly recommend just keeping an eye on it. It's pretty fun. The kids get drafted, and then you know, some of them even make it straight to the majors. Um, other than that, uh, game six of the Stanley Cup finals is on, if anybody likes hockey. Huh? 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 Nashville's in it. It's Southern teams in it. Come on. Somebody's got to be interested. Nah. Sorry. I would rather watch paint dry than the USA than soccer playing Mexico. What about USA soccer playing Mexico? I can't watch. I can't nothing. watch soccer. I can't watch. If he can't, if he can't watch hockey, he's not gonna watch soccer. <laughs> <laughs> well, Major League Baseball's on. I don't know. The Braves had a young pitcher come up, Sean Newcomb, who threw a gem. I think Atlanta's actually really fun to watch uh, for the remainder of the year because of all the young kids you're gonna see and. And you're going to see the Braves have built something, Brian. You're 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 really going to. I, I truly believe that the Braves have hope so. built a team that you're going to be able to enjoy for at least the next seven years. I hope so. Since they since, since they play two exits away from my house, I, I really hope so. Um, I can just ride my bicycle up there and watch them play, right? So I don't have to worry about parking. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> nice. Well, all right, guys. Well, have a good week. We'll be definitely back on Sunday, maybe even during the week. We'll see. But during the week, been crazy. So, uh, we'll see. But guys, Quinn, thanks for joining us, Jonathan. As always, thank you. And we'll see you next Sunday. Again, we're going to talk college football. And we'll we'll recap these finals and see. But if LeBron's winning, if we're talking about the NBA finals still continuing um, this time next Sunday, we're going to have a great game seven coming up. So, so, guys, take care. God bless. We'll see you soon. Bye, y'all. Good.